When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they are, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Lord, would you speak to us through your word? And uh, give our hearts fresh insight uh, to who you are, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning on this Ascension Sunday. Uh, if you're new, welcome. My name is Dave. It's uh, great to have you here with us. And our passage, um, the Ascension, is, has been perhaps one of the more overlooked um, passages in the church. Some call it the now you see him, now you don't Sunday. Others just don't really pay much attention to it at all. Um, And so our passage, if you have your bulletins, open up to page two. You'll see our reading there. And essentially, uh, what's happened is at the end of 40 days, Jesus takes his disciples to the Mount of Olives and ascends visibly. Before he does so, he commissions them to be his witnesses. So for the last 40 days, well on the Sundays, we haven't done it throughout, we've had this candle uh, burning, which is, the technical term is the Paschal candle, um, and uh, it has been burning as a sign of Jesus' presence here on earth. And it's on ascension, day or Ascension Sunday, that we blow it out. So he's no longer here. He's no longer here. It's not that he retired. Some of you are approaching retirement age and you have to hear this very clearly. Jesus did not retire to ascend to heaven to play the most glorious 18 holes of golf. He went on in a official capacity at the right hand of his father. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that the way retirement is, is framed in, in our world today, which is that you've done your bit, you get to enjoy, to relax, we not take things as hard, and, and I agree with all of that. But what the world misses out is that actually in those retirement years, people can actually make the greatest impact for the kingdom than they have up until that point. 
Because usually they've accumulated something that is so rare for the young to have. Perspective and wisdom. So if you're approaching retirement, just be prepared. If you're already retired, the Lord really has more for you to do. And it's needed. It's needed. So Jesus hasn't retired. But what is ascension all about? To understand the ascension, you really, it really, need, we need just to look at one thing, and I'm not really going to talk about quantum physics, so you'd be forgiven if, if your mind went there, but we have to understand God's understanding of space, his space, and our space. So in the beginning of Genesis, we have what? God created the heavens and the earth. And the most important thing about all, the, all of that is that God did not create just a supernatural space. In creating the heavens and the earth, they were not meant to be mutually exclusive places where God lived in one and we lived in the other, and never the two should meet except for moments of inspiration, but that these two places would very naturally overlap. And what the ascension shows us is that Jesus, scars and all, who fully represents us, is in heaven, in real time. God's space and our space are to overlap, which is why in the Lord's Prayer it says, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Adam and Eve experienced a little bit of this, but we see the full fulfillment of it in Jesus. So God's space and our space we're always meant to overlap. And that's one thing that the ascension shows us, that Jesus ascended into heaven in bodily form is a, is a real sign of hope to us because it's not simply that God wants to resurrect our bodies, but that he is resurrecting the world. What's the second thing? The second thing is that Jesus is a fully physical human being. He's also the firstborn of the new creation. He is alive after the resurrection. And he invites us to live in this way, to follow his example, and he promises that we too will remain physical beings in this mysterious thing that happens to us once we die. That we too will experience the resurrection like he has. And that we will be with him fully participating in his divine nature that our resurrected bodies will be with him in a resurrected world. And having ascended up as he did, we will follow. Now, if you're like me, the question then comes, what's the timing on this, you know? But the truth is, is that he now exists permanently in God's space and in our space in real time. He's there right now as we are here right now. And his presence is uniting heaven and earth in himself. And that's why on the cross he can say it is finished. That that work has begun, that work has been 
We just have to wait for the details to come into full perspective. And so Jesus is the new humanity that we're invited and called to become. So look down with me in, in your, your, your page two of your bulletin. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now you can see this as two ways. They haven't gotten it, and Jesus has to correct them. Or something else is happening, which is having been uh, taught and led by Jesus, they are responding to Jesus in a rabbinic fashion to prove the point that they kind of understand that the Messianic age has come. Because he's risen from the dead, he's appeared to them for 40 days, they've been promised the promise of Ezekiel, the promise of the Spirit, and so they try to get ahead of him and ask him the question to prove the point that they've been listening. Now, what really happened? We don't know. Probably a mix, right? In any classroom, without how many students, who's really tracking? I was always the one at the back, a little obtuse. So there we are. He says to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So essentially what Jesus is saying is no, but you will. No. I, their question was, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He says, no, but you will. When you receive the promise of the Spirit. And we had said these things, they were looking on, he was lifted up, and it all got a bit strange. Which is my take on what happens next. Any good teacher who is teaching people they love never, ever leaves them alone unless they know they are mature enough, they know enough, and they are able enough to survive on their own. It's true in primary school, it's true in pre-K, it's true throughout, right? It's also true of Jesus. He's not leaving, he, the reason why he knows he can leave at the, this point is he knows they have everything they need except for one thing, for them to bring about his kingdom. They just have to wait for the fulfillment of the promise. And so while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. There's quite a bit in this passage and in the passage that proceeds about authority. Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth belongs to me. He sent out his followers to announce that his indestructible good life is available now in the present. And that's still true today. It was true then, it's true now. And that this strong, ongoing life means and asks of us one thing, to get to know the God of love, Jesus. Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God. He was perfectly loving. Think about this with me for a moment. Perfectly loving. He was able to interact with people who had diametrically opposed beliefs about the world in such a way that they came away feeling loved and cherished. 
And so the one who's taken on an official capacity at the right hand of God is Jesus, the perfect, perfect example of what a loving human looks like. And he's the one now taking up this new executive role, new at that time, not new now. He's been at it for a little while. Um, but it's incredible, isn't it, that now we have an opportunity to get to know the God of love, Jesus, in the deepest way. Why? So that our imagination and our affections can be shaped by and transformed as you learn to love God and our neighbor. Who are your neighbors? Out in the workplace, at home, who are they? What does it look like to love them? What about the ones that are, I don't know, walk really quickly when they walk the dog in front of you and you kind of chase them up the street to get to know them and realize this is really kind of foolish and slightly odd, so I best stop. Anyone done that? Maybe it's just me. Um, who are our neighbors? Because our world in some ways is wasting away. Without Jesus, when relationships break, they're broken and people don't know how to get back. Community in this country, in this city, in their neighborhoods, without Jesus, is just becoming more and more and more fractured. But heaven and earth are meant to overlap. And the overlapping of heaven and earth is made known in three ways. It's through the preaching of the gospel, the demonstration of the gospel through signs and wonders, and through the act of loving God and loving our neighbors. That's what the ascension speaks to us today. Followers of Jesus are to be the place in the world where heaven and earth overlap that bring true blessing to every neighbor around them. So we're invited to ascend into this way of living. As we grow and share our lives with others, as we continue to love in ways that unite more and more of heaven and earth, as the overlap continues, people just begin to ask questions and to come forward and to, to chase after the light. That's why at St. Barth's we say we're, we're a church that seeks to behold Jesus that we might become like him. That as we see his heart, our hearts are shaped. And so the disciples likely understood power in a way that reflected these three things, that they were to preach the gospel effectively, and to demonstrate the power of the gospel by praying for the sick, by praying for those who are facing the impossible, so that the impossible would bow to the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is now at the right hand of God, praying, interceding for us, so that even if we might sometimes get those thoughts that come across our minds that say that we are not worthy or that we're awful, da, da, da. We have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ the righteous 
So when the accusations come, if they make it to the throne room of God, it's a mystery, if they do, he can just step in and says, no, I've got that covered. They're fine. It's not true anymore because of me. So what does God do as we learn to love? Well, he's raising us up into a new creation, a new way of thinking, a greater reality where more and more of heaven and earth overlap. And he's beginning to heal us. He's beginning to make us whole right now. And he is promising to fully complete that work as we join him, choosing to ascend with Christ <clears throat> at, one, at a certain point in time where heaven and earth will be fully integrated. Now, we don't know when that'll happen. It's a mystery, but what the promise is that we can experience something of that now. And so what we're gonna do, we did it a few weeks ago, we're gonna pray. But before we do, it's just helpful, <clears throat> excuse me, to just note what happens at verse nine. It does get a bit strange. Verse nine, let me read it to you. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So throughout scripture, the cloud is often referred to as a manifestation of God's presence. So this isn't just an ordinary rain cloud, but this is the cloud of glory that surrounds the very presence of God. And as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And so the visible ascension of Jesus into heaven indicates that Jesus retained his physical human body as a man. And though he's exalted the right hand of God, and he is given direct executive rule in God's kingdom here on earth. So that's important. Because when I pray, I think, what if I pray and nothing happens? Well, when I don't pray, nothing does happen. When I do pray, sometimes things do happen. What's important is that, to recognize that we have a director in heaven. And the results are up to him. His voice is the voice that the wind and the waves still obey. Not mine. I've tried. Doesn't work. Have you tried? So yeah, it doesn't work. His voice. And it's for his glory. And it's out of his love for others that we do it. And so if you're here this morning, we're just going to spend a few minutes doing this. If you're here this morning, we do a couple of things. If you're here this morning, and you're facing a health challenge, and you would like prayer, I'm just gonna encourage you to stand where you are, even now. Great. By the power invested me in the state of Texas, I deputize those of you who are seated as the prayer team, and I'm just gonna encourage you to go, and just to stand up, we're just gonna take a few moments to do this, and I'm just gonna ask you to find someone who's standing, and just hold still, don't start praying just yet, and we're just gonna pray that the overlap of heaven and earth would increase in their bodies today, just a little bit more. All right, so the prayer is simple. And I'll let you pray it in your own way, but just the idea is like a little storm of prayer. Just pray something along the lines of, Lord Jesus, 
Bring your healing on earth as it is in heaven. Let's do it again. Lord Jesus, bring your healing on earth as it is in heaven. Now feel free just in a few moments to add your own prayers. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Do take a seat. If you've received prayer, there are going to be prayer teams in the back of church during communion. Go and, and, and get prayer for. Now, the second is, um, there are some of us, when I start talking about loving our neighbors, that you felt your heart almost like skip a beat and really said, yes, I want to see heaven and earth overlap in our neighborhood, in our community, in new ways. And though for some it may terrify you, I'd love to see it and I'd love to be empowered to love my neighbors. If that's you, why don't you stand? You can stand more than once. Yeah. Great. Now, prayer team, those of you who are seated, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing again. You're going to get your steps in by the end of today. And let's pray together. Just say this with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill them with your love. Lead them with your love. Empower them with your love. That heaven and earth may draw near. Amen. And feel free just to add a few prayers to that if you'd like. Jesus' name, amen. Do be seated and one last, and then we'll move on. Some of you will undoubtedly heard um, that on Thursday, Tim Keller was sent home to hospice and that, I think it was yesterday that he died of uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, And, you know, just, just an incredible uh, person of faith, man of faith, who was able to share the gospel in the most effective, incredible ways. 
And so I'd like to pray that among us, I mean, there's only one Tim Keller, there's only one Chris Myers, there's only one me, there's only one you, so we're not praying for another. But the prayer is, is that the Lord would use us just to carry on what Jesus has invited us to do, to share the gospel, the good news. So why don't we all stand and let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you have ascended and that even now you are at the right hand of God. And we thank you that you love us and that your love for us is perfect. And so we ask that you would, as you've promised, you have sent us your spirit and that even now that you would move amongst us and lead us to share about who you are and of the good news that you bring to those that we meet. Because we pray, Lord, that you would turn our church and continue to make our church into a place of hope to a place of peace, and to a place of love. So even now, Father, by your Spirit, would you move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.